This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. And welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. As always, welcome along once again. Uh, If you are new to the podcast, hello to you. You've got a lot of catching up to do. Although there is no hurry whatsoever. It's here, Qatar 2022, the World Cup. Despite what you're... All my feelings on it may be, the football starts now. The opening first game of 64 is the mouth-watering Qatar against Ecuador on Sunday the 20th of November at 4pm UK time. It's being played in the Al-Bayat Stadium. Who remembers the time when the World Cup was started by the previous winners? Those were the days. Anyway, England will be up next in the second game on the following day. England's last World Cup game was in St. Petersburg, Russia, against Belgium in the third place match on the 14th of July 2018. And here we are. By the time we face Iran on the 21st of November, it'll have been 1,592 days or four years, four months, and eight days. Let's hope for a more satisfying result this time around from that match against Belgium. This will be England's 16th World Cup tournament, and all throughout the past year I have been talking to fans, players and journalists about their memories of following the team to the greatest tournament of all. These can all be found at 3lionspodcast.com or your podcast provider of choice. Iran will be our 70th World Cup tournament game. In that time, since 1950, England have won 29, drawn 21 and lost 19. It's quite surprising stats that I thought. And of course, 1966 being our finest hour. Coming up on this episode, just as I tried to do for 2018, throughout the tournament, I'll be speaking with England fans for their reactions and inputs, and also trying to speak with fans of our opponents. I remember last time out, struggling with Tunisia and Colombia, but I got there. This time, I must admit, when we were drawn against Iran, I thought, this is going to be a tough one. But I'm pleased to say I've spoken with Aria Alaverdi from the excellent Golbazan podcast. He is coming up very soon and he's got some interesting thoughts and insights. And I can't promise it, but as the competition goes along, I'm going to try and get some insight from some fans who are actually over in Qatar. So stay subscribed and you won't miss them. Also... Those that enjoyed the recent England fan songs feature, I have a uh, have a little treat for you. Now we've had the squad episode, 
That was one where I gave my thoughts on that. But I thought now I'd give my thoughts on how the World Cup could pan out. I think I've said before, what with this being a World Cup at a totally new time in the year, and what with the weather conditions, it really could be anyone's. Although having said that, I don't think there'll be a new name on the trophy. It'll be one of the usual suspects. And as always, as a tournament is on the horizon, the media will do their best to pick the hosts apart, just as they did in South Africa 2010, Brazil 2014 and Russia 2018, and just as they did in the 2012 European Championships when they were held in Ukraine. But with the TV documentaries that have been on, you could say they have a point. And we've now seen Set Blatter now deciding to speak up, saying perhaps it wasn't the best decision for Qatar to host it. Thanks for that, Sep. As long as you're all right. Unfortunately, I think it will be a competition that is dominated by VAR. I don't think there's any getting away from that. We've seen it in the Premier League. We've seen it across Europe. We've seen how VAR intervenes within the games. I've said it before. I think the length that VAR takes just takes all the fun out of the game. And I think regarding our draw, I think as England fans, we can show a little disrespect in some of our comments or analysis of some teams from outside of Europe and South America. I think it's sometimes too easy to quickly disregard the likes of Iran, South Korea and Senegal, just because we're not so familiar with them. But it is important to remember they've all come through a tough qualifying campaign. They deserve the right to be at the World Cup. They've got to the finals, when the likes of Italy haven't. And despite everything we know about our defensive situation, I can still see us topping our group. And as we know, it is a hard group. And I saw that on paper, it's the group where the four teams are the highest based on FIFA rankings, if you take those into account. I think at the time the draw was made, we were fifth, the USA were 15th, Wales 18th and Iran 21st. And that said, I've got a funny feeling Iran may be one of the surprise teams and finish second. I'm not just saying that because Aria is on very soon although I can't see them progressing too far after that. And I wonder maybe if Mexico could be a surprise as well. It's a toss-up as to who we could play in the round of 16, if we win the group. Uh, We'll play second place of Group A. Now, you'd think that the Dutch would top that, leaving Senegal or Ecuador fighting for second place. Sadly, I can't see Qatar pulling up any trees. I can see them finishing bottom. And I think what that would be for only the second time that the hosts would go out of the group stage. Was it 2010 when South Africa went out at that point? I think it could be us against Ecuador in the second round. Of course, France are the holders. Remember, they beat Croatia 4-2 in the final last time out. They've lost Paul Pogba and Angola Kante. 
could see them going out in the round of 16. Although, of course, they do have Kylian Mbappe. But if they do go out, that would make our pathway a little easier if they were to exit earlier. <laughs> what am I thinking? France aren't going to exit early, are they? Of course they're not. Then, of course, there's Brazil. There can't have been a World Cup in history where anyone has said, nah, Brazil, they're not going to do anything this time. No one says that. No one thinks that, do they? Brazil, every time a World Cup comes round, Brazil are always someone's favourites. Although the last three out of the four World Cups, they've gone out at the quarter-final stage. They've not won it since 2002. You just know that they'll be there or thereabouts. Germany, too. They'll be looking to put right their disaster of a 2018 campaign. I can see them making the quarter-finals, as I can Spain as well. But I'm afraid to say, I think the eventual winners could be Argentina. They are current Copa America winners. Messi, well, he's found his form now at PSG. Can he finally emulate Maradona? Uh, it's also a team that features Angel Di Maria from Juve, Paolo Dybala from Roma. I think it could be their time for the first time since 1986. But what do I know? <laughs> we will find out as it all goes along. Now, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the Three Lions podcast as we start our first in our build-up to the World Cup. Aria from the podcast, the Iranian podcast, Gol Pazan. Aria, hello there. Howdy, Russell. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No, you're you're very welcome. Thank you very much for for joining us. Yeah, it's, um, it's been a while. We've been trying to get this organised for a little while, but I'm glad that we finally yeah really got, it, got it got it going. It's slap wrists on my my behalf on, on that one. <laughs> no, no, no. no well, so I was trying to get get you on pretty soon as well. So. Which I look forward to that. But first things first, we're, we're talking Iran. I can hear a little hint of a uh, a different different tongue there. Yeah, uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm born in Scotland um, to Iranian parents. Of course, uh, naturally, uh, Iran's got a huge football uh, history. They've you know, passionate fans for the sport. Scotland, similarly, as well. Um, so that kind of blends into each other. Uh, didn't always really support the Scottish national team until a bit more recently. Uh, just because of the way they're they're doing now, I think they're doing a lot better. But Iran's always been a team that I supported as a kid, and obviously I coach football myself. Uh, okay. So so that's my job. So I kind of I suppose it kind of again it blends into each other. I've got that job, and I and I naturally I support the national team. So but then we just we're we're doing this podcast on this on the on the side as well, just to, because you know you why not you know because uh, I think it's important to have that um, for people around the world. Absolutely. Well, go on. Tell us a little bit about Golbazan. Yeah. Um, no. I, well, obviously, it started in 2014, uh, just before the World Cup. Uh, I wasn't part of it originally. Um, it was just the, the four guys: Pasha, Pejman, Sina, and Bobak who started it together. The idea behind it was to showcase Iranian football to the worldwide audience 
particularly the Iranians who live abroad, diaspora, who maybe don't speak as uh, as good as Farsi as people who live in Iran, of course. So as a result, they, they, they did a podcast. It got a lot of uh, success early on because obviously it was a niche that hadn't really been tapped into as much. Uh, then going forward, they kept doing uh, various interviews of players ar- around the national team. And also key figures such as like Jordi Croy, for example. So wow. uh, as a result, it got a lot of uh, acclaim internationally. Uh, and then, and now, you know, we're very pleased that we're, we're, at, we're at a good place that we can cover. Uh, and the, the group that we got in the World Cup kind of gave us a little bit more scope to, to speak to English speaking journalists, for example. So as a result, you know, we got the interview with Gareth Southgate, which is really good for us, yeah. um, quite recently. No, excellent. It's it's an English speaking um, podcast, but I'm, I'm assuming that you you're, you're fluent in Iranian or yeah, you? yeah. No, we we do some things in in Persian, you know, here and there when yeah. we when we're interviewing a player who doesn't speak Farsi or, or Persian. But yeah, we um we tend to make it suited for the English speaking audience. And if we do a Persian podcast, for example, we'll always transcribe it into English. Uh, so yeah, it's um it's good. I think it's important to have it for for this kind of because obviously football in Iran is massive but it does, how many times can you say that you've heard about Iranian football from the Iranian TV or, or Iranian uh, newspapers because they don't they only cover it cover it in that one language you yeah. know so it's it's important to have uh, an international version of it yeah no no great stuff well, I tell you what, just a quick one maybe you can just say hello to the uh, any potential Iranian listeners that may be listening to this in in the the mother tongue just quickly for us. Yeah, of course. Salam uh, alaikum and bahami hamatanan. I should okay. Ruzay betalash tabashim. Rafta rafta. Marvelous. Thank you. I'm going to have to get that done with the uh, for the Welsh and the American episodes now as well. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Um, well, let's let's move on to the onto the World Cup and and Iran at it and being in in the same group as us. This is Iran's sixth appearance. A World Cup. They never got out of the group stage. Um, I think it's I think it's fair to say probably the last World Cup, twenty eighteen, Russia was was probably the could be looked at as the most successful with one win and a draw. But I guess that going forward, the the objective now is to at the very least is to get out of the group. Is it? For, for, for sure, for sure. You know, this is um, been a long time. You know, since Iran have had. Really good success uh, in any tournament, really. You know, not all won a, an Asian Cup. I think it's since 1976, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, so, you know, we want a bit of success. And for us, success is, is advancing from this group. Um, we've been to two World Cups in a row. Well, this, this will be the third one now. And, um, you know, we, uh, we did well in 2014 for what, what, we, what it was. You know, we had a good squad. Not a good squad, but a good team, a good net group, tight yeah. group of Carlos Kiros in charge. Uh, 2018 was a very good team, just maybe a little bit too early in, in development in terms of where they were in their primes. They were, they were a little bit younger, uh, not as many caps. Now that team is an experienced team with players who are playing well at their clubs. Uh, not all of them, of course, but a lot of them are. And I think. Th- if we're gonna ever do it, it would be the it would be no. Okay. So, so I mean, do you think it's a, a distinct possibility to get out of the group? Yeah, hundred percent. I, yeah. I I don't see that as. I'm not saying it's. I mean, it's a very hard group. First of, of all, 
you know, it's not it's not a simple uh, thing to do at all. But I think uh, w- w- when Carlos Queiroz came back in, in charge of the national team, that possibility became more clear. B- before, you know, under Dragan Skocic, the previous coach, who took us through a qualification and, you know, got us through it with, with good results. Uh, I say results uh, right with a bit of emphasis there, because um, it was just results. And I don't think we had a lot of things going for us uh, when you look when you look at the performances. But now I think you know, looking at our last two friendlies against uh, Uruguay and Senegal, I can I can say that we are in a better position to to do what we're supposed to do. You know yeah. what we want to do anyway. Okay, I mean. Obviously, here in in England, we know we're fully aware of Carlos Queiroz, the the manager of Iran, Portuguese by by birth. He's had time with with Manchester United, obviously. He says he's gone back to the um, the Iranian team after being there in what was it twenty fourteen. He's obviously highly thought of then. Well, yeah, I mean, took us two World Cups, took us two yeah. fourteen and twenty eighteen, uh, two Asian Cups, and you know, I think. Uh, yes, he wasn't successful in quotation marks when you look mm. at like he didn't get us to the second round, he didn't win any Asian Cups. But what he did was he brought this team uh, an identity. He made us play a certain way that uh, made us difficult to beat. We didn't look unorganized really ever in any game. Maybe that one game against Japan in the semi final of the Asian Cup, we looked very disorganized towards the second half. But other than that, we always looked like a team that, even if it was at a team like Portugal in the World Cup or Spain in the World Cup, we always looked like we were close to to getting a result from that from those games. And I think Carlos Queiroz brought this team back to brought this team something that we wanted to, to always have, which was yes, we're not the the strongest team when you look at the individuals, but we've always had a bit of team spirit, and he he brought that team spirit you know, dialed up to 200, you know, mm-hmm. which is something that I think was so important for our game because, you, you know, everyone keeps saying, oh, Iran's got a massive football culture, blah, blah, blah. Yes, but it doesn't mean, well, football culture only, in my opinion, really matters if if it's working on the pitch as well. And I think it was working on the pitch under Kirosh. Uh So I think, you know, ultimately uh, he did that and I think I'm happy that he's back as the, as the coach. Okay. I mean, from an English point of view, when it comes around to World Cup qualifying, we're, we know pretty much how it's, it's going to work. We've got a group stage. Whoever finishes top directly goes through. Whoever finishes second, I think, is then into a, uh, a playoff pot, etc. But qualification yeah. from the Asian region, I was looking, is quite tough, isn't it? You have to go through two rounds of qualifying and to your credit, you finished top of both of those rounds. Yeah, well, uh, not with uh, you know a bit of uh, you know um, a high high blood pressure and heart rate <laughs> <laughs> uh, for sure. You know, it wasn't. It, it looked quite simple. Again, I think a lot of international media. I'm not trying to like dig at anyone here. I think I completely agree. Like, yeah, it looked quite results wise. We got through and we finished top, but. We didn't perform well at all, like in a, especially even the first round. I mean, the first round we we sacked the coach because we 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 played so badly. We lost to Iraq and Bahrain. We almost looked like we weren't even going to get to the second round. And then, to be fair to Dragan Scotch, he came in and got us out of that group, uh, top of the group. Did really well towards the end of that first round of qualification. 
and went to the second round. We started out quite well. I thought we'd, we'd all we looked quite good at the beginning, but I don't know what happened. We just lost any kind of like organization. The team didn't look like they were fluid, and it just got to the point where the only tactic was just lump it up to Tyrone and Osmond, and they'll score goals for you, which worked. I mean. <laughs> I mean, they're great strikers. They're going to do that, you know, if you get it to them and, you know, you can see, you know, obviously it is a tough route to qualification, but ultimately the teams are not that strong in Asia. So you can beat teams just by doing that. But the issue is even even Kairosh made it a thing where it doesn't matter which team we're playing against. We're going to play the way we're going to play when we get to the World Cup because that's how you need to, that's, this is our preparation. So I think, that's when it, we got a little bit worried when we started to lose. We lost against South Korea. We looked really bad against them when we were playing them in the second round, uh, second leg uh, in, in Seoul. Uh, and then we lost to Algeria in the summer in a friendly match that, that was against their third team. And then we were like, okay, now it's really worrying because we noticed it, that we weren't performing well in qualification. We were just getting through with lucky results. You know, we almost lost to Lebanon one 0 We scored two last minute goals against them. You know, we, right. we should have lost that. We should have lost that game, hundred percent. You know, I was actually really angry that we'd won the game to some extent because I was like, you know, we needed a loss in order to kind of get us playing well again. Yeah. Um, and we won that game, and I think people, the players got a little bit overconfident as well with where they were. They qualified quite early on in qualification. So just to kind of sum it up. As a result, we were happy that there was a change, but we wanted a change to happen, a change of coach to happen a lot earlier. It happened far too late in preparation for the World Cup. It happened, what, three or four months before the World Cup was going to go, and it really should have happened a year before it. Right. I'm assuming that what with the internet these days, it's it's fairly easy to to see Iranian teams on the air. Uh, to watch games live yeah 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 100 actually it was really good this qualification uh one football uh the app they bought the rights for all of iran's qualification all of the asian qualification matches which was really good because previously it was on eurosport and not everyone has eurosport and it was like uh, it was a bit of a disaster to mm. try and get it but now yeah it was it was well well broadcast i mean afc I think they kind of had a, the Asian uh, Football Confederation they did a little bit of a, a, a overhaul of how they do their social media and all these kind of things. And I think it was a lot better this time around. But um, yeah, you know, uh, how can I say it? I think it, it can still get better. You know, right. with the likes of, like, the likes of Europe, they have massive uh, m- money that, that go into. I don't know. I think it, I think it was like, yeah, it was free to watch. Iran play so maybe going forward they'll charge people to make some more money make it better I don't know uh, but yeah it was uh, it was fairly it was better to, than, than previous campaigns for sure cool so despite the making it hard work to get to the finals you, you've got there eventually what does it mean to the people of Iran to get there to the World Cup finals I mean how big is football over there well, I mean, I've said before, football is massive. You know, football is uh, probably, yeah, definitely the biggest sport in the country. Um, it is 
I mean, look at it. I'll give you an example from my perspective. You yeah. look at a player who plays, for example, in Burnley. Give me any English player who plays in Burnley. I don't know. Um, Put me on my toes there. I was thinking Tarkovsky, but he's moved now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, for Tarkovsky, for example. You know, I don't know how many followers he has on social media. I'm just making this up yeah. on the spot. A player who plays in a in a equivalent team like Burnley in our, in the Iranian league will have a lot of followers on social media, and it's because they're seen as celebrities. They are celebrities. They are they are massive. You know, f- footballers in Iran are the celebrities in the country. You know, it's not like in this country in the UK. You you know, you have actors, you have all oh, musicians, you have all these things. Footballers are the are the you know the cumulative crop. They're the, right up there with like top 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 celebrities uh in the country so so as a result they're on a pedestal uh immediately and uh we'll come on to it later when we're speaking about the, the current the current protests in the country but you know they uh make up a lot of people's uh, entertainment and um as a result they have to you know they have to live up to that standard uh for sure um, you know, the two clubs in the, in the country, Estegal Pers Police, have roughly 40 million uh, followers, uh, not followers, um, fans, mm. uh, supporters each, you know, and that's, that's massive following. Huge. You know, Tiraktor, uh, who play in, in the north of Iran, Tabriz, uh, near, near Turkey, you know, they have a huge following as well. You know, they'll have, uh, I think it's a, I don't know what what the stadium capacity, maybe 70,000 capacity. That gets sold out sometimes. You know, when they allow fans in the stadium, you know, hopefully they'll allow women in the stadium as well at some point. But, um, you know, yeah, you know, these teams have massive, massive followings. And, you know, I I think um, the the football in the country can be a, a, a vehicle for success, but it can also be a vehicle for bad publicity as well uh you know you can you can look at that however, however you want uh from a, a politi- political standpoint but at the same time you know we um uh, we have a national team that we're proud of now in terms of the the footballing aspect there are people who aren't proud of it as well from the the, the political aspect but at the same time we have to uh, we have to go to the world cup and and achieve things that we haven't achieved yet so yeah. uh, we'll see what happens there's there's lots of politics out there, and I know we've we've decided not to touch on a couple of them. But I mean, are you, are you able to say what the people of Iran think yeah. of sure. the World Cup being hosted in Qatar? Yeah, hundred percent. Look, at this point in time, it's difficult to speak about football uh, as an Iranian. No doubt about it. Of course, I have a responsibility. I've got a podcast that we've been doing for a long time that we need to cover it. But you know, we've been doing a lot less recently. Uh, ourselves and and that is due to the protests and the killings that are happening in the country and the the regular human rights violations but you know football does go on at this yeah. point yeah. It, it is going on so there is still something to speak about um the people of the country you know if you look at the last two friendly matches as a as a as a guide you know they they played those games they actually played really well Iran in, in those two games i thought that they were probably two of our best performances in a long time and um you know pe- people were were quite upset with the players saying that maybe they didn't show enough support for people for the protests uh and 
there are a good number of Iranians who are now not going to support this national team at the World Cup. Um, and I think there is definite there is definite division within the, the national team supporters uh, and the Iranian people as a whole. And you know, it's it's not been it hasn't been easy for anyone. Mm. Uh, it hasn't been easy for us, and I think we have to um, find uh, the best solution. Some people are saying Iran should get banned from the World Cup. Some people are saying no, we should still go because there's going to be a lot of protests in Qatar, which will be good for the international audience. Um, people are saying, you know, if they go, it's it's to a benefit of the, the government. You know, I I kind of sit on on the side. I don't really, honestly, for me, uh, I actually do believe if we go to the World Cup, it's good because yes, there is going to be a lot of protests in, in Qatar, and it and it can be huge international eyes on the on the on them as well. Considering the World Cup is massive, it's going to get tons of media attention on it, and. The players have been showing their support, you know, beyond the world, those two friendly matches and their club teams. You know, they have been trying to wear uh, black wristbands and doing social media posts. And, and sometimes it's not enough uh, for, for Iranian people. And I, I, I completely understand that. Personally, I, I just, I'm kind of fed up, like, yeah. of, all, of the constant social media posts. I kind of want then either they do something or they don't do it. You know I mean? The kind of midway point stuff, I don't really see much into that. So at this point in time, um, I'm I'm looking forward to how the players uh, will react to this at the World Cup. And I, I want, I'm intrigued to see what kind of uh, protests will, will be in Qatar, whether it will be like, I've, I know, I know people who are going to Qatar uh, for the World Cup just to go and protest and they have tickets for the matches but they're wow. just going to protest uh, so there could be potential protests on the pitch you know when the game is going on and that could disrupt matches so so we'll see what happens you know I think it, this group is going to and even just be, and look at, let's take away the protest for a second these games were already you know partially political weren't they I mean yeah. you look at like England USA England yeah. Wales and then you got Iran in, in the mix as well <laughs> you know it already makes it political but then you add this element to it it's going to be quite a a, a hard one for FIFA uh, to handle I'm going to be mm-hmm. quite intrigued to see how Qatar does it uh, this, this this World Cup in November mm-hmm. um, so yeah we'll see what Okay, well, that's that's great. Um, well, let's let's move on to those players. Um, we're talking before the the squad has been announced, both England's and um, Iran's. But I'm sure yeah. you've got a good idea of of who is going to be on the uh, the plane from Iran. Perhaps you can just give us a uh, some feelers of players to to watch out for who will be taking part in that opening game against England. Yeah, I mean, um, at the moment, I think a few people maybe are a bit more familiar with. Uh, Moharami, who plays for Dinamo Zagreb, he's done really well against Chelsea a couple of times in the Champions League now against AC Milan. He'll be our right back, you know, fingers crossed if everything goes as planned and he doesn't get any injuries. Uh, he is a bit of an injury prone player. Uh, so he will be the right back and I think he is going to be a good outlet for us out of defence when we get a chance to to break forward. In the defence itself, uh, one of our key players I think has really in qualification been uh, Hossein Kanani, who looked really good in qualification, uh, but alongside him, uh, who is kind of 
debatable who gets that spot. Could be the likes of Majid Hosseini, who plays in Turkey, with Kayseri Spor, has had a very good season, but didn't really play that much in qualification, um, just under coach's preference, uh, who chose to play uh, Khalil Zadeh, who's a little bit more of an experienced head. So we'll see who Kairos chooses to play. Um, he's played both of them in the last two friendlies. And then you look at uh, in midfield, we, uh, we've got the likes of Said Azatullahi, who plays in the Danish second tier, and Saman Gotos, who plays for Brentford in the Premier League. Both of them are not playing that regularly and not maybe playing uh, to, to the level they want to be playing at club level. But when it comes to national team level, they always, I mean, not maybe less so Saman Gotos, but definitely Said, who's our number six, and he used to play for uh, Reading in the Championship. He's a player who we always look at for performance and he always delivers. He's always been good for us, Saeed, and he's, in my opinion, one of our most talented players. You know, he started his career in uh, Atletico Madrid in Spain, trained with Diego Simeone for a little while. He played against Chelsea in the UEFA Youth League and he looked like a very good player. Got a lot of injuries in his career which kind of uh, dampened his uh, his progress, but he's somebody who we're looking at to kind of pull some strings in midfield. But then, you obviously, as I mentioned, Salman Gudos, who isn't playing for Brentford, but when he played for the national team in our last two games, he was very, very good. Looked very strong on the ball. Um, and then the, the front line, I think, you know, fingers crossed, Sardar Osman, who plays for Leverkusen, comes back fit. He's going to be vital for us. He's our goal scorer. But then you've got uh, Jahan Bach on the right-hand side, who's playing in Feyenoord. Uh, again, a very experienced player. He's, this will be his third World Cup in a row. And then you've got the key player, I think everyone's kind of you know, raving about around the world, rightly so, uh, Mehdi Tarimi, who plays for uh, Porto. He's doing fantastic things. Yeah, uh, A lot of English fans, again, will be familiar with him from the Champions League goals that he scored against uh, Liverpool and, and Chelsea. He's done really well uh, in, in the Portuguese league. Uh, so the team is is built to to be physical. It's built to be effective. Uh, getting on the on the counter attack, and I think they will do that. But I think the the areas of the pitch that we will struggle is is the midfield for sure. You know, we don't have players who are who are playing regularly at club level, which is a shame because um, that's the area of the pitch that I think can decide games. Yeah, well, there's certainly some players there that say we are familiar with, and certainly players that are playing for teams that we are familiar with. It's not going to be uh, a walkover that. Not everyone in England is thinking of. I mean, certainly not myself. I mean, I'm I'm old enough to remember the likes of Nigeria in 2002, Algeria 2010, and, and USA 2010, Costa Rica in 2014, and then Tunisia last year, uh, last World Cup when we only beat them in the last minute. This is not going to be an easy game. And I, I genuinely think it, I mean, it will be close. But just before... Before we round it all up, um, I mean, in the group is a group that features USA. As obviously, I remember the 1998 game between yourselves and USA, Wales as well. Whereabouts in this group can Iran finish? You know, here's the thing, right? And I've said this in quite a few podcasts. I've always said that, personally speaking, I think the US national team are talented. They've got good young players. They're building something for the future. I don't think they're going to be too much of a difficult task for any of these three three teams, uh, Wales, England and Iran. I think they're going to be a fairly simple opponent to face. Just my personal opinion. I don't think they've got much going for them. Uh, yeah. In defence, 
in midfield, I think I think they're 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 okay, they're good, they've got some good players, but I don't know how much quality they have on the ball. And then in the front line, I don't really see much cutting edge there. You know, I I haven't seen much from Pulisic this season or Chelsea. And other than that, I don't think they have many other players who can really score goals and cause issues. For the Welsh team is different. I think they've got something about them. They've got a bit of organisation. Rob Page seems to have got this team to do what he wants them to do. Yes, they haven't had great results recently, but they look quite good when they played against uh, Ukraine. I thought they looked organised against a good Ukraine team. Uh, so I think it's going to be a tougher game for Iran, that Wales game. Considering it's our last game of the group, I think, yeah, our last game, if I'm not mistaken, I think that it's going to be a really important game for us. But the England game, it's going to be it's going to be a make or break. If we basically if if we can get a draw from England, then I think we're going to go for the next round. If we lose to England, then which is very likely, of course, then you know that USA game. Now there's more pressure on it. Yes, they're not a strong team, in my opinion, maybe, but they are now a team that we have to beat. You know, there's yeah. no other choice. So, you know, I think Iran have a bit of a a, a the way the match has come makes it hard for them. But I will say one thing, and I think this is very important, as, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. Mehdi Tarimi, I think, I, in my honest opinion, I don't think any defender in the world handles him with ease. I think he's got a lot of cleverness and uh, footballing IQ that makes it hard for many defenders around the world to deal with. You know, he's you know he scored against some of the top teams in the world. He's made defenders who are decent, look good, look really bad, like... For example, uh, give me an, I'll give you a good example. Sebastian Quates, who plays for Sporting Lisbon, who was used to be for Liverpool, he won three penalties off him in one game, and he ended up wow. getting him sent off. Um, you know, to the point, to the extent that Sporting then put out like a very kind of offensive article about Tarami on their website. I don't know if really? you read it. No, I yeah, that. I can't remember where it was along the lines of like you know um, Iranian like. Uh, it was like it was it was it was quite offensive and it was not nice, but they did end up deleting it. But because of that, they have a lot of uh, hatred towards him oh. <laughs> in the Portuguese league. So I think I think he's going to cause a lot of issues to the defenses of of Wales and and USA and, and potentially England. You know, and, the, and England. I, yeah, what with our our defensive frailties. Yes, yeah, I yes. think that's going to be especially the injuries England have had. It's not going to be simple for them. And, and Tarimi tends to play on, on the left wing for Iran. Yeah. So the, whoever's playing it right back, you know, hopefully, uh, for me, I think uh, England's best player uh, for in recent times, really one of the best players has been the Chelsea's right back. Uh, Rhys James, I think he's been fantastic um, for, for a long time and he's going to miss the World Cup, potentially. Yeah. yeah. So We shall see. We shall see. It's going to be an interesting game and it's going to be one we're looking forward to. We are running very much out of time, but very quickly, just tell us where we can find Golbazan on social media and, and the likes. Yeah, I appreciate the time. I appreciate bringing me on yeah, your podcast. Yeah, you can follow us uh, on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, at Golbazan, G-O-L-B-E-Z-A-N. You can find us on our website, com, and we're on all podcast platforms and on YouTube as well. Lovely. Aria, thank you very much for your time. It's very much appreciated. Enjoy the World Cup. All the best. And uh, yeah, maybe we can catch up again. Yeah, and hopefully we can have you on our podcast too. Appreciate it. Lovely.
many thanks to Oreo there. He alluded to a chat with Gareth Southgate. Now that can be found on the Gold Bazan social media channels. It is well worth a watch. It was recorded a little while back, um, but well worth a watch and a great coup for them. Now, I had such a great reaction to the supporters' World Cup songs, you remember on the squad episode, I thought I'd add a couple more to this episode. Because basically there's people out there that are writing and recording these songs for England and I think they deserve as much attention as they can possibly get. So I've got two more for you. Now first up is a track by The Twelfth Man. It's called Put Another Star on the Shirt. It's been written by Scott Dean, Richie Hughes and Luke Bateman. They're all regular England supporters club members and together they are The Twelfth Man. It's been written and produced in support of the Jeff Astor Foundation, a charity set up to provide support for those affected by brain injuries in sport. Well done, guys. Recently, one of the members, Richie, painted a mural on the side of a pub in Orsett in Essex of Declan Rice. And to everyone's surprise, Declan himself turned up to see it in person. Amazing. This is the twelfth man, and put another star on the shirt. I've bought all the England kits, everyone since '66. Always wear the shirt to watch my side.
the 12th man and put another star on the shirt. All the guys, well, they are individually on Twitter, but probably best if you want to go find more, go follow at another star 2022. And you can find the track, it's on Spotify. Now, next up is George White. He's from Manchester, and this is his track, Up the England. He's done a video to accompany the track. He's filmed it at Kirsten Ashton's ground, playing his guitar in the stands, on the pitch, and even in the dugouts. Amazing. Uh, I notice on Twitter, he's even got the seal of approval from Phil Foden. But George wrote this track last year on the day of the European Championships final. You can stream it on the likes of Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, all the usual suspects. This is George White and Up the England. This is England. England. 
singing until our football's back home. Won't be England, we're singing until our football's back home. Won't be England, we're singing until our football's back home. Won't be England, we're singing. Now bring our football back home, lad. George White and Up the England. You can follow George on Twitter at George W Music. Excellent. Amazing. Uh, as I said in the previous episode, I love it when musicians write England songs. The time, the effort, the enthusiasm that's put into it. Um, they deserve all the support they can get. So well done, each and every one of you. And that pretty much rounds this episode off. Hopefully... It is one of many over the next four weeks. I hope you can join me for them. In the meantime, enjoy the tournament. Enjoy the football. Enjoy Qatar if you're going. Safe trip and all that. Don't spend too much money or get in the way of a camel. I spit. Anyway, look after yourselves. Take care. Cheers. Cheers.